Work thou see, by this, in the time of my greatest distress, didst prove to be my best friend. My willingness to work enabled me to escape from being sold to join the slave gangs upon the walls. Welcome to Learn With Us, brought to you by 303 and We are a team of four non-financial advisors who are exploring a revolutionary new financial approach that goes beyond money to prioritize your emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being. Through weekly meetings and engaging podcasts, we strive to help you improve all aspects of your well-being as well as ours. Come join us on this journey of growth and self-improvement because at 303 and we believe true wealth extends beyond dollars and cents. Happy learning. Hey guys, and welcome back to Learn With Us, brought to you by 303. How's everybody doing? Doing great, thank you. I'm doing pretty good. Hey. We're going to be going over the last chapter, chapter 10, The Luckiest Man in Babylon. As we all know, luck is something you have to definitely make. I was going to say, we should start by defining what the richest man in Babylon thinks luck is. There was a whole chapter about that, the Meet the Goddess of Luck, where they had the conversation. You remember what episode or what chapter that is? Three, four. Four or five, yeah. I think it's chapter four. Four. Definitely catch it. We have it. Yeah, it's four. Meet the goddess of good luck. The chapter ends with one of the most memorable quotes. I have it right here. It says, action will lead thee forward to the successes thou dost desire. Yep. But you could could read the one before too, because that one's kind of memorable. So... Those eager to grasp opportunities for their betterment do attract the interest of the good goddess. She is ever anxious to aid those who please her. Men of action please her best. Yes, indeed. It's like that other story we heard with the camel trader who saved his life with some action. Well, not his life, but his manhood. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, that story is painful. In so many levels. Today's another good story, though. Yeah, I really like Chapter Ten. This is a well. They're all they're all very uplifting. They got that going on for them. It's almost like a whole another little story, though by itself. Doesn't even have anything to do with our previous characters in a way. But the knowledge you have from everything we've learned before now comes in handy, where the story makes so much sense. Should we get to it? Let's get to the story. I can I can start with the introduction and then we can we can start building it as we discover the quotes okay. that we enjoyed. So the story starts with two characters, Sharunara and Hadangula, and one of them is an it's an it's an older guy, Sharunara, and uh, Hadangula is a younger person. The relationship between both of them is that Hadangula's grandpa. Uh, what was his name? Arad Gula was the partner of Sharunada. They were business partners. And uh, Sharunada felt that he owed his friend Arad Gula his life, basically. He, he owed him his life. So he saw it as a must that he needed to help his grandkid. The guy his that, grandson. His grandson, yeah. The guy that was riding with him. He was thinking this because the grandkid wasn't at all like his grandpa. Like the grandpa was someone who 
worked very hard and the grandkid looked like he was a bum. He was actually yeah. a bum. He he said it himself. He was a brat, wasn't yeah. he? Almost. He was like a college rich kid is how I basically it. like, yeah what we would call trust fund, trust fund. yeah exactly yeah. that's what what we would make fun of something like that exactly and he says uh go for it um he said he he would like to do something for this grandson but the more he considered this the more difficult it seemed because of the youth himself <laughs> just the guy in general yeah. <laughs> so he was like he could tell just by looking at him that Maybe he didn't have any work ethic or something. Bad spending habits. Who knows? Well, it was the jewelry on his face mostly. He was like, what in the yeah, world? Yeah, he said he thinks jewels are for men. <laughs> but his grandfather wore no such gaudy robes. It it would be very hard to do hard labor with with that much jewelry in your hands. Yes, rings and earrings. That would be difficult. Well, so he... He decides that he's going to help the kid. He has to because he just owes it to his uh, business partner and very good friend, Adam Gula. And he looks at the opportunity. Well, what, what starts it all is that as they approach Babylon, he notices three, I think it's three people. They were working outside of the walls and he recognized them. He immediately recognized him because when he was a younger person, he had seen them do the same work the exact same way. It was 40 years. Yeah, 40 it? years. So 40 years of coming back and people are in the same exact place. Yeah, doing the exact same work the exact same way. And, and to him, that, that must have just blown his mind. And he takes that opportunity and starts to... See if he can teach the kid uh, the lesson, the, the lesson of the chapter. So I got a quote here. So we're talking about Sharunada. It says, he pointed to the plowers saying, still plowing the same field where they were 40 years ago. They look it, but why thinkest thou they are the same? I saw them there, Sharunada replied. Recollections were racing rapidly through his mind. Now, this memory takes him back to when he was, we said, 40 years ago when he was younger and he was actually a slave. He had been sold into slavery and we're going to find out later on why. I don't know if you want to say it now. No, I just like how it's funny how he's like hints at He's like, oh, yeah, well, I had that brass collar on. <laughs> and he's like, brass collar? <laughs> He says, uh, oh, oh, because, um, he says Megiddo was chained next to me. Oh, that's what it is. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, the young grandson says, does thou say Megiddo was chained to thee? And then he says, yes, with bronze collars about our necks and a length of heavy chain between us. <laughs> Just like throws that out there. And like. then. The the grandson again. He's like that. We're chained as a slave. Yeah. <laughs> well, not a free man's usually not. <laughs> he goes, "Did not thy grandfather tell thee that I was once a slave?" I, I thought, thought that part really cool. No, yeah, yeah. that he because obviously him and his grandfather are good business partners, so they talk about each other all the time. And but never once, even if they got mad or nothing, never brought up the fact that that guy was a slave. 
Yeah, he said he was a man thou couldst trust with innermost secrets. Talking about his grandfather. Yeah. We can tell the kid's personality to actual real personality when Sharunata asks asks him if he wanted to he says would thou wouldst thou be interested in hearing how thy worthy grandfather and myself join in the partnership which proved so profitable and then the kid says why not just tell me how thou made the golden shekels that is all I need to know so (laughs) real Brad anyways what happens go for it I was just going to say, so he says, so the, the, the young boy says, tell me how didst thou become a slave? And he just shrugs his shoulders and said, any man may find himself a slave. It was a gaming house and barley beer that brought me disaster. <laughs> it's the same old story even today. That's sad. That gambling and drinking it just leads you down a hole. It can. Not always. What do you guys think about the point that Megiddo makes of the workers? Because the first person to mention the workers when they were 40 years in the in the past was Megiddo. And then he kind of makes fun of them because they were not putting any effort. He was, in a way, pro- pro- prophesizing. Prophesy- it wasn't it wasn't even like a prophecy. It was just like a like a supervisor looking at the workers and say, no, this is not going to end well. But it wasn't even end well. It was deeper than that. He was saying this right or that right there is why they've been here for 40 years. They don't push the plow down. They don't try hard. So the slave master isn't like these guys are the best. Promote them. They're like these guys are worthless. So keep them out there. Did you mean predicting? Yep. I'm talking about the past. Yeah. When they were slaves and Megiddo. Because what happens is that this guy, uh, Sharunara, is enslaved next to three people, I think, at least three people. One of them is called Megiddo, and he tells, he met, he talks about the the plowers, and he says, these guys don't know how to work. Hmm. Then there were two others who go, I don't want to work hard. Working hard is for losers. I'd rather work smart and not break my back. It only It's only going to make it so that the master abuses me even more so megiddo says what that doesn't make any sense the um, it doesn't make any sense uh, he he says it doesn't make sense to me to talk of masters beating willingly beating willing hard-working slaves to death masters like good slaves and treat them well that's that's right before they enter enter the city it's a small conversation that they have right because he's telling them that you need to get yourself a good master, right? He's okay. going to tell them that. Yep. Yeah. Yep. He's they're criticizing the slaves at this point. Yep. Oh, so he goes over what shirking is, and that's working, but only with half energy. Like you just do enough to keep your boss happy. You're not trying harder, or going above and beyond, as they say. If thou plow a hectare. That's a good day's work, and any master knows it. But when thou plow only half, that's shirking. I don't shirk. I like to work, and I like to do good work. For work is the best friend I've ever, I've ever known. That's definitely a memorable quote. He says that he brought him all the good things he ever had. His farm, his cows, his crops, everything. So don't be hating on work. Don't be putting in half. Those words must have meant a lot to Sharunara because 
Well, Megiddo repeats them once again right before they separate. After they make it to the um, to the slave market and they're about to get sold, Megiddo realizes, all right, this is it. This is probably going to be the last time I see you. So remember these. Remember these words. And this is what uh, Megiddo told them. This were, these were Megiddo's last words to Sharunara. Megiddo felt that we would soon part when no buyers were near, he talked. Some men hate it. They make it their enemy. Better to treat it like a friend. Make they self like. Don't mind because it is hard if thou thinkest about what is good, house thou built. Then who cares if the beams are heavy and it is far from the well to carry the water for the plaster. Promise me, boy, if thou get a master, work for him as hard as thou canst. If he does not appreciate all thou do, never mind. Remember work well done does good to the man who does it. It makes him a better man. What do you think about that? I feel like we were just saying that on the last podcast that even if you are a dishwasher, then you need to be the best dishwasher. That's, you know, don't be sitting there and just going, oh, I got the worst job. I got to just get it done and get home. It affects more than just your job. It's your whole life, your attitude, your personality. That's a good point because, oh, go for it. I was just going to say, it reminds me of the part before that um, about, was this Godoso? Is that how you say it? Godoso, how he yeah. Gives, he gives almost the same advice. And he says, uh, when buyers come... He's talking about when you get to the slave market. When buyers come, tell them you're a good worker. Like to work hard for good master. Make them want to buy. You not make them buy. Next day you carry brick. Mighty hard work. <laughs> so it just is like he was telling him to convince people that he was worth it. Like, like pick me, pick me. You know, like just don't sit in the corner. Like you have to make yourself known. Like you have to sell. You have to sell yourself. You have to sell yourself. Yeah. No, that's, that's the whole. Yeah. yeah the which, biggest point. Which is why I love the next part so much. <laughs> it was my favorite part. I laughed so hard when I heard it. I was like, "This kid's a genius." What? What do you think about the people who say that there's no point on or work, on working hard? Like, um, yeah. Like so many people, like so many people that we know. I yeah, like I was saying, I'd say do it for yourself. Then at that point, as they're saying, don't. If your master doesn't appreciate it, keep working harder. Like that doesn't. They have nothing to do with your worth ethic. In the industry that, well, actually, I guess we all work in the same industry. But have you noticed that in in our industry, the amount of effort you put, you can immediately tell because as servers. The better service you provide, the more money you make. And you can tell even within the same shift, the same hours, the same the same type of people, some servers make less money than others just because of their attitude. Oh, absolutely. And some days I would make absolutely horrible money and it would it would also be on a day where I'm pretty cranky and like I, I haven't smiled much which I don't do it on purpose, but compared to a day that I'm going in there, like ready to take on the world and like, come on, like, let's go guys. Like getting everybody pumped. And then I'm like, Oh yeah, it definitely makes a difference. Doesn't, does it make a difference for you? You're in the back. Well, that's why I work in the back. I don't have to smile. Your money doesn't get affected by your attitude. But also today, everyone else was sitting around doing nothing and they're making no money while I'm still making the same. So, you know, there's, pluses and minuses but i get what you're saying though i can see people who 
have been there for 30 years and they just don't care anymore and they make barely a hundred dollars that night but someone who's been there for like three months they end up making 200 you know because they're they're ready to work and the other one's just trying to get the job done and they put the effort in you know they take the extra five minutes to make the salad look good and extra things clean the plate up and actually bring the condiments that they were asked you know to bring that's the little things the second cup of soda <laughs> there's got to be a reason why well most of the religions I've, I've read about they 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 ask for good work ethics from their followers like do it for God work as if you were working in front of God for God interesting it's got to be some kind of life axiom I feel like work ethic kind of like I don't know isn't there a quote something like everything you do in life do it well or something it's really basic but there's some math to it like some physics to it because you get force equals mass times times acceleration so acceleration would be the energy that you put into it the more energy you put into it then the more force you get out of it so if you don't put any effort you're obviously because it's it's an equation you're not going to get force out of it yeah, force equals mass times acceleration. You would be the mass. Acceleration would be the your movement. And then force is what you get out of it. No, it's just got me really thinking. I don't even... <laughs> well, so what happens? Megiddo follows his own advice and gets bought for a lot of money. And then Sharunata realizes, okay, I got to do something here. So he decides to follow this dude's advice. Which I've, yeah, that part was one of my favorites because it, it made the most sense. It's like, you're either a worthless slave that's worth money to me or you're a worthless slave and you go work and you're still worth money to me, but just not as much. You're just a wall slave. The worst job ever. They literally work you to death or break your back. Mm-hmm. Or they either whip you to death or break your back. At this point, at this point, um, well, a day goes by or something. And then um, Sharunara realizes that there's a baker asking for another baker. And he's kind of eager to, to, to find someone, to find some help. So Sharunara thinks, hold on a second. No, no, no. Let me see what I can do here. Maybe I can sell myself. <laughs> so he says, I approached him saying, why should a good baker like thyself seek another baker of inferior ways? Would it not be easier to teach a willing man like myself thy skilled ways? Look at me. I am young, strong, and I like to work. Give me a chance, and I will do my best to earn gold and silver for thy purse. (laughs) That's my favorite part. He's so clever. That was a great pitch. So the guy likes it, and then he ends up buying him. Oh, yeah. I like... I thought this quote was funny where he said, I felt like a fat ox being sold to the butcher. Like kind of proud of himself? Big old ox? Well, it's because... No, it, I don't think he was no, proud of No, it's because his, the, the guy that brought him there finally took notice of him. The dealer finally noticed him. And so they came over and were like checking him out. Like, so he felt like he was on display. It says he was happy about it, though. No, it sounds like he got a Yeah, he liked deal. the house. Literally says... Out of all the jobs, I prefer to be a baker. He seriously says, I followed my master away thinking I was the luckiest man in Babylon. So right there, is he the richest man in Babylon? He was at that moment because he didn't have to go 
you know, carry bricks or whatever they were doing. He ends up writing a business plan. Well, I don't know if he wrote it. No, but, but that was really cool to free himself. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what's better than that? It's, it's, it reminds me of, um, of the book that we read, Retire Before Mom and Dad. There's a really memorable quote that I got from that where it goes, okay, next time you find yourself struggling whether or not you want to succumb to an indulgence and you know you shouldn't, ask yourself whether that indulgence or your financial freedom are more important, is more important. That will usually stop here so I, tracks. Yeah, I save my money for my financial freedom because nothing's more important than my freedom. So he goes on to say um, that he learns how to make the bread and bake it, and but now he's done by noon on most days. And he's like, well, how can I make some more money so that I can you know, buy my freedom eventually? What can I do? And then he thinks, well, maybe I could just make more honey cakes and peddle them to the men up on the streets. So then he goes to his master and he pitches him this plan and ends up getting to have his master agrees and says, sure, you know, and he's going to, his master's going to supply everything. And then he's just going to get to keep 25% for himself. It was 50%, isn't it? Every penny. No. You get one. No, it's 25. The, the master oh, takes it all and splits it in half for the for the supplies. And then the other half it's gets like split half in half again. Half. So okay. he gets 25% and then 25% goes to his master. For the ingredients. That makes sense. No, 50% was for the ingredients. No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. The other, I thought the 50 was for him, but it, it's just for the ingredients. Yeah, no, he only gets 25. So it's not a terrible deal, I guess. I mean, he does well, still own him. he's supposed him. to get zero, yeah. So... <laughs> yeah he's pretty smart this guy and 25% profit margin in a business is not bad I don't no, think right not when you're a slave and for your first even now return? yeah even, even now, now sure. I think it's like I don't know what, it's 30% I think is what but some people go 10 15 20 18 uh-huh. so yeah then my second favorite part of the whole story is when he's selling them but he constantly gets to spots where it's almost like they're selling too good. He gets scared and has to run away. He's like, for fear of my cakes, I got out of there. (laughs) (laughs) He really liked his business. He, he met two people there. Well, it was, it was selling those cakes that he met the kid's grandfather, uh, Adangula. That's where he met him. Well, he didn't know yet. When they first met, they don't know. They like they don't tell that each other. They don't tell that to each other. Yeah. So they meet, and what happens is that Alan Gula tells him, "Kid, I really like your product, but I actually like your personality better. It's, it's, it's so spirited. I like the spirit that you carry. I, I know that this personality, he says, like this kind of mentality is gonna carry you to success. He, I, I'm paraphrasing." But he tells them. It that. just goes along with our theme of the day, which is sell yourself. I mean, there it is again. He he's been was selling himself along with those cakes, and people could see it. It wasn't just the cakes they were yeah. noticing. And an important point that we should not overlook is that Sharunarak mentions that he saved all of the money. Well, he saved the money that he was making. He didn't spend it, so he saved it and he kept saving it. After a while, he finds Megiddo again. 
the same guy who made the comments about the um, flowers back in the day. And he tells he tells the story. Well, I'm going to quote that. He says, I was overjoyed one day to meet my friend Megiddo upon the street. He was leading three donkeys loaded with vegetables to the market. I am doing mighty well, he said. My master does appreciate my good work, for now I am a foreman. See, he does trust the marketing to me. And also he is sending for my family. Work is helping me to recover from my great trouble. Someday it will help me buy my freedom and once more own a farm of my own. So Megiddo was doing really well. I like that I have this part marked. He says, uh, one day I was surprised to see Zabadu. Is that how you say it? Zabedo waiting in line to fill his basket with bricks. He was gaunt and bent, and his back was covered with welts and sores from the whips of the overseers. I was sorry for him, and I handed him a cake, which he crushed into his mouth like a hungry animal. Seeing the greedy look in his eyes, I ran before he could grab my tray. <laughs> like he's a friend who's just going to grab it and eat it all. Well, it just goes, it's not even his friend anymore, because now he's in such a horrible position because he didn't sell himself. He's now getting whipped every day and moving bricks to the point where it's giving him hunchback this guy's over here trying to give him cakes like yeah they're both different people and you can't almost feel bad for him because they both had the same opportunity he was i mean they were both being sold the same day he had every chance to find his way right right after that he he encounters again aratgula and this is when when they tell each other that they're slaves so it goes, why does thou work so hard? Aret Gula said to me one day. Almost the same question that asked of me today. Does thou remember? I told him what Megiddo had said about work and how he was proving to be my best friend. I showed him with pride my wallet of pennies and explained how I was saving them to buy my freedom. When thou art free, what wilt thou do? He inquired. Then I answered, I intend to become a merchant. At that, he he confided in me, something I had never suspected. Thou knowest not that I also am a slave. I am in partnership with my master. Stop. (laughs) (laughs) Demanded Hadangula. (laughs) I will not listen to lies defaming my grandfather. He was no slave. His eyes blazed with anger. (laughs) That's so funny. (laughs) But that's how people are. They don't want to hear the truth. I mean, as he goes on to say. Mm-hmm. Especially this kid. Yeah. But after telling me that he was a slave, Sharonata continued, he explained how anxious he had been to earn his freedom. Now that he had enough money to buy this, he was much disturbed as to what he should do. This part is interesting. He was no longer making good sales and feared to leave the support of his master. I protested his indecision. Cling no longer to thy master. Get once again the feeling of being a free man. Act like a free man and succeed like one. Decide what thou desires to accomplish and then work will aid thee to achieve it. He went on his way saying he was glad I had shamed him for his cowardice. This is so many of us. Shamed him for his cowardice? I mean, you could just say like holding your friend accountable. No, but he needed it. He needed it to be shamed. He needed, that yeah, that's why he, he needed. He was like, I know, no, I know. I I would need it too, but I would just. I don't like the word coward. I guess. Ooh, well, I mean, obviously, 
we should ask why, but that's a question that you ask yourself. <laughs> that seems like a deeper conversation for another podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but that's a lot of us, though. I, well, even at this point, sometimes I wonder whether I'm whether I'm doing what I do because I'm afraid not to do it anymore, or because I actually really like it. I end up, I end up coming out with the fact that I like it. I like the freedom that it provides to me. But then at the same time, I think if I had the option of not doing this, I would do something else. So that's weird. It only gives you more freedom than a normal job, but it still limits your freedom. Mm-hmm. You have a little more freedom than you would at a regular Monday through Friday job or nine to five. Yeah, so but then he's... the important thing here. Oh, go. No, I was going to say if, if fear is keeping you from doing something, then you have to do that because... I don't know. Fear is not good. If it immobilizes you. It definitely shouldn't be the factor that's stopping you from yeah. financial freedom. Whoa, that's deep. Hmm. So, skip forward. The next time I met Arad Gula, he was a changed man. Full of enthusiasm, he greeted me. Behold, the slave that knew us is now a free man. There was magic in thy words. Already my sales and my profits are increasing. My wife is overjoyed. She was a free woman, the niece of my master. Oh, he got married. My wife is, she much, she much desires that we move to a strange city where no man shall know I was once a slave. Thus, our children shall be above reproach for their father's misfortune. Work has become my best helper. It has enabled me to recapture my confidence and my skill to sell. What do you think about that part right there? Well, that's why he didn't know his grandfather was a slave, right? Yeah, we got that answer there. Oh, damn, yeah. <laughs> that's funny. It was the there wife. Oh, no, but that is almost <laughs> sad because he could have told her. Or he could be telling his grandkids the story so they don't end up in his situation. But she's telling him, no, no, I don't want anyone to find out. But it almost helped. Okay, but was she wrong or was it an unfortunate side effect of the times? I'm no judge. Sounds like it worked out for them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they kept they kept wealth for three generations. That's that's impressive. Well, so his friend Arad Gula buys his freedom and Sharunara cannot do it yet. But he's still trying. The problem is that his master now becomes a gambling addict. So he's using all the money that he was. Um, did he steal his money? No, no he didn't. He didn't steal. But he's his not money. paying for the grain or the honey or yeah. or paying the money lender or anything like that. So he's putting everything in jeopardy. I'm not sure, but I know that he goes he goes home and the the mistress tells him the master's in trouble, and he's like, "Why? Why is this my concern? It's not. This isn't my problem." And then she says, "You don't understand. The money lender is here." And then the next day, the moneylender comes and ends up taking him, right? Yeah, the moneylender waited not for my master to return, but to tell him that he had taken me. With only the robe on my back and the purse of pennies hanging safely from my belt, I was hurried away from the unfinished baking. So he literally gets, ta- he gets taken away from his home to pay the debts because his master wasn't paying his debt. Oh, that's what so he, ends up he became his, his yeah. Uh, yeah so he became that. the payment. <laughs> so he's all like, "This isn't my problem," and now it's definitely his problem. Um, 
he became he became too comfortable. Can you imagine? You're like, all right, I'm about to be free. Just need to earn a couple more dollars, and oh, I'm gone. Back to zero. Yep, because that's basically what happened. The bank took him and then gave him to another boss, another owner. Man, that's almost like real life with a job. It, it could be that easy. You're about to get out, you think you're done, and you don't have your money working for you, and then, bam, you're done. You lost your job, and everything's over. You're getting transferred to the next owner, the next slave master. So who is the next slave master? What was he like? Swasti. Oh, no, not Swasti, sorry. He was the... the no, no, that's that's the lady. No, S-A-S-I. Yeah, Sassy was a blunt, grief, met, gruff. Gruff. Oh, oh, yes, you're right, sorry. I'm just always swasty. But yeah, so his new owner was Sassy, and he was a blunt, gruff man. And uh, he, as he led me across the city, I told him of the good work that I had been doing. And I said I hoped to do good work for him. His reply offered no encouragement. I like not this work. My master likes it not. The king has told him to send me to build a section of the Grand Canal. Master tells Sassy to buy more slaves, work hard, and finish quick. Bah, how can any man finish a big job quick? <laughs> so this guy does not care about quality or... or He's a bad worker yeah, himself. Exactly. Oh, that's true. He is only putting the plow down half right now. You're right. He's just getting the job done. So now he's doomed. My boss is a half plow kind of plower. That's horrible. I'm I'm damned. Yeah, and then the conditions, there was no shade. He was right in the desert. It says, picture a desert with not a tree, just low shrubs and sun burning with such fury, the water in our barrels became so hot we could scarcely drink it. And then picture rows of men going down into the deep excavation and lugging heavy baskets of dirt up soft, dusty trails from daylight until dark. Picture food served in open trials from which we helped ourselves like swine. We had no tents, no straw for beds. That was the situation in which I found myself. I buried my wallet in a marked spot, wondering if I would ever dig it up again. So things are pretty hopeless. Like a pirate. <sighs> That is pretty awesome. <laughs> One day he gets to digging up like a pipe. Uh, <laughs> I never even thought of that. And it says, Then the heat fever took hold of my weary body. I lost my appetite and could scarcely eat the mutton and vegetables. At night I would toss in unhappy wakefulness. Poor dude. He does start to question himself and whether shirking is the way to go. He would have been better off taking his savings and paying off his other master's debt. Was he even given the choice? Well, I would have pulled it up like, yeah. wait, I have the money. Yeah. <laughs> they probably would have took the money and it to you. Him. They would have been like, Bad. oh, thanks. Because they need the mm -hmm. worker. They don't really care about the money right now. He needs a wall builder or whatever there. Well, but it was a bank. It wasn't the guy that took them. It was the bank. The bank probably would have taken their money. I mean, that's just my guess. And then... And then what, this, is this just luck of the goddess that happens to him? That he can't take anymore. He's at his breaking point. It says, end of my endurance. But then he gets sent for him. Right? A messenger had come from my master to take me back to Babylon. I dug up my precious wallet, wrapped myself in tattered remnants of my robe, and was on my way. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Say peace out. That's got to feel like when you're in jail, and then... 
you know, you're like, oh, man, there's no hope. And you get like a letter from an old friend. <laughs> I'm here to bail you out. Get your stuff. I bet it was even better because he's probably like, oh, this is where I die. Hmm. He gets a nice surprise, though. When we rode to the courtyard of my master's house, imagine my surprise when I saw Aratgula awaiting me. He held me down and hugged me like a long lost brother. As we went our way, I would have followed him like a slave should follow his master. Who, who is Aragula again? The grandfather. Oh, okay. Yeah, the, the kid, kid's right. grandfather. Yeah. He... The the connection that they have is that uh, Aragula is thankful that Sharunara uh, basically reproached his cowardice. So he owed him that. If it wasn't because Sharunara called him a coward, he wouldn't have bought his own freedom. Or or maybe sent for him as well? Because he, he might feel like he owed him something. Exactly. So as we went our way, I would have followed him as a slave should follow his master. But he would not permit me. He put his arm about me saying, I hunted everywhere for thee. When I had almost given up hope, I did meet Swasti, who told me of the moneylender who directed me to thy noble owner. A hard bargain he did drive and made me pay an outrageous price. But thou art worth it. <laughs> thy, philo- <laughs> thy philosophy and thy enterprise have been my inspiration to this new success. Megiddo's philosophy, not mine, I interrupted. Megiddo's and thine. Thanks to thee both, we are going to Damascus, and I need thee for my partner. Bam. Wow. See? Yeah. So perseverance pays off. I feel like that makes us makes me feel better about the podcast because it's all about giving advice and trying to get anything we learn is out here for everyone else to grab. So seems like the universe repays you well for it. Oh, for sure, man. It's, I mean, well, I said it before, but it's it's physics. It's uh, it's almost Newtonian. To every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. So if you put good energy out, you're gonna get get you're gonna get good energy sent back your way i like this part he goes see he exclaimed in one moment thou will be a free man so saying he drew from beneath his robe the clay tablet carrying my tile then he raised it above his head and hurled it and broke it into a hundred pieces upon the cobblestone with glee he stepped upon the fragments until they were but dust what a friend he's like you know what i own you I imagine him holding his robe while he's jumping up and down. Tears of gratitude filled my eyes. I knew I was the luckiest man in Babylon. Hmm. Work, thou see, by this, in the time of my greatest distress, didst prove to be my best friend. My willingness to work enabled me to escape from being sold to join the slave gangs upon the walls. It also so impressed thy grandfather... He selected me for his partner. Then, had Angula question, was work my grandfather's secret key to the golden shekels? It was the only key he had when I first knew him, Sharunara replied. Thy grandfather enjoyed working. The gods appreciated his effort and rewarded him liberally. So the kid gets it. I began to see Hadangula was speaking uh, thoughtfully. Work attracted his many friends who admired his industry and the success it brought. Work brought him all those things I have approved. 
and I thought work was fit only for slaves. Life is rich with many pleasures for men to enjoy. Sharunada commented, Each has its place. I am glad that work is not reserved for slaves. Were that the case, I would be deprived of my greatest pleasure. Many things do I enjoy, but nothing takes the place of work. Sharunada and Hadangula rode in the shadows of the towering walls up to the massive bronze gates of Babylon. At their approach, the gate guards jumped to attention and respectfully saluted an, an honored citizen. With head held high, Sharunada led the long caravan through the gates and up the streets of the city. I have always hoped to be a man like my grandfather, Hadangula confined to him. Never before did I realize just what kind of man he was. This thou hast shown me. I have always hoped to be a man like my grandfather, Hadangula confined to him. Never before did I realize just what kind of man he was. This thou hast shown me. Now that I understand, I do admire him all the more and feel more determined to be like him. I fear I can never repay thee for giving me the true key to his success. From this day forth, I shall use his key. I shall start humbly as he started, which benefits my true station far better than jewels and fine robes. So saying, Hadangula pulled the jeweled baubles from his ears, uh, jeweled baubles from his ears, and the rings from his fingers. Then reining his horse, he dropped back and rode with the deep respect behind the leader of the caravan. Wow, I don't, I couldn't even believe that's how it ends. Just drops the mic, like there's yeah. no like <laughs> summary or nothing. Just boom. It is a mic drop. He's like, I am ready to work. That's how. That's how the book ends. The book ends with, I am ready to work. Let's let's do this. I know, I know all the principles. I know the secrets. I know what I need to do. I am ready to do it. Let me take off my jewelry because I cannot do it with it on. No, that shows him not just changing, but also being ready, like mentally, physically. He, like my hands are gonna get dirty. Crazy chapter, crazy book. No, that could almost be its own whole book right there. <laughs> he definitely was the luckiest man in Babylon. For sure. One piece of advice. Clearly saved his life, changed the way he worked, but also saved his life in another way. When he gave the advice to someone else, he came and rescued it. He's like, I didn't even give you that advice. The other guy did. It was his words. He's like, but they were from you. It's wild. Something else I remembered while we were talking about the ending is that he was, when he first finds out his grandfather is a slave, the grandson gets all mad and he's like, how can you call a man a slave who's done so much? Like during the during the drought, he was delivering food back and forth when no one else could do it. It's weird to think about. You like you don't you don't know anyone's past. I guess is what I was trying to get at. Mm -hmm. like you you could look at someone and be like, oh, he's the nicest man in the world. Well, that man could have been a slave literally five years ago. Like you have no no idea. I do feel bad for Zaba though, but he had it, it in a way. He brought it on himself because his attitude was just so so wrong about everything that it just made sense he was gonna end up that he ended up the way he did given given everything we know about babylon and the slave work well just like real life you need to be out there or you're gonna be you know he was a slave and the worst definition of it and like to his wallet to everything he was a slave it was like that other story we read where that girl's like are you a slave then do slave things and he was definitely doing slave things. That reminds me of, well, I I can think of two different cases of people who 
are basically the same person that they were 10 years ago. And one of them um, has been broke since I met him. He's, he's, he never has enough money. It sucks. But And then there's another person who also there's never enough money. But this guy blames the town. He says, oh, it's the... Um, it's where I'm at right now. And now I don't know what he's in. He's in. What's that place that you really like with all the cowboys? He's moving. Yeah, Wait, he keeps about moving. Nashville. Nashville. There you go. He's in Nashville. And it's the same deal. Maybe I shouldn't say that because what if he listens to the podcast? <laughs> but no, it, it's everything we say is that, you know, it's not your job and it's not anywhere you live. It's it's you at the end of the day. It's, yeah, it's your attitude. It's something you're doing. It really now. is. Yeah, if you blame if you blame any if you blame anything other than yourself, you're blaming things that you cannot change. But if you put the blame on yourself, even if not all, just enough to make you change, because you're the only person who can change yourself. Nobody can change. I feel you. like it just makes it easier. Is the problem? You could say, "Oh, well, it's you know, it's this person's fault. It's my boss's fault that I'm poor. It's you know," and then you don't have to sit there and do the work you don't have to fill up the balance sheet you don't have to do all this right i know a kid that says every time i say something about why you broke he's like because i work here uh, and i'm like no i'm like no really why you broke i asked him that one day i said no really why you broke and then he literally said i think if i'm not mistaken i'm pretty sure he told me it's because i'm not great with my money <laughs> well, at least he knows i guess that's the first step he's young He ha- he still has time but I'm like, well, I don't think that's a good attitude, though. I don't think any. I feel like if I could teach. <laughs> oh Dawson no, no, right no! Now, but I'm saying he, he at least he at least like you said realized. <laughs> so he has time to change. That's what my daughter said the last time I said to her she needed to start investing. She just looked at me like I was crazy and was like, "I'm too young for that. I'll worry about that later." And I just looked at her like, "I said, do you want to be where we are at our age, or do you want to be even further? Like, why would you want to be where we are when you could be?" ahead of us from the knowledge we learned and they just kids just don't care i got time well it could be that we didn't teach them to care that's because we just started caring (laughs) yeah Yeah. we we barely (laughs) care ourselves so it's hard to be (laughs) but listen to us like stop following and like stop following the old us listen when we speak like we're showing you our bank account we're showing you our our savings our stash our we're showing you it like Get on board now. It Here's works. Just keep doing it, and eventually, hopefully, they get For it. For sure. There well, like no today's good. would be call of action would be to have a call of action. You need to go out and do it. As he's saying, work you need to work, but not work in like go your nine to five and get your job done. More like do the do everything to the max as you can. Dude, what do you think? Maybe. Maybe something that helped Sharunata was that when he was working, he wasn't working, quote unquote, for money. He was working for his freedom. Mm -hmm. So because working for money sucks. If you work for money, then, you know, you fall in the rat race trap. So I like that. That, That's what it should be. We'll start working for freedom. Stop working for money. It's that simple. Right? Yeah, that's a good way to put it. I mean, don't the two kind of go hand in hand, though? But as Juan's saying, if you think about it as the money way, then you're never going to get out of it. You're going to be, you're thinking of it as someone who wants to be poor. Like, I, I just need more money. I just need more money. I just need more money. But it's like, no, you need to pay, pay for your house, get out of that debt, start putting it all into savings. 
And eventually you'll have more money. More than you'll even know what to do with. Basically. Well, that's like somebody I know who says that they will start investing once they start making more money. And I've tried to explain to them more than once that they that's not the case. They can start right now just with 10% of what they have, even if it's $5 a week. Or if they, but they have to have enough in their savings too to be able to start. It's, it's like all these rules to be able to start actually yeah. doing. There's all these rules before you can actually start taking, before you can start taking the 10% for yourself. And I, I can't stress enough or, or seem to get the point across that the 10% for yourself should be number one. That should be a bill. Like stop, like stop, well, I'm going to pay this, I'm going to pay this and this and this and then if I have the extra. No, take yours first. Like you are more important than anybody else. I mean, that was the rule from last week was that the tablet was pay yourself first and then the seventh, tenth goes to bills and then the rest went to debt. Like, but he paid himself and his wife first every time. Even if it meant eating just vegetables for a month. Even when he only had the two silver that month, he made sure that he paid himself and everyone was mad at him. But he's like, whatever, this is the way it's working and I'm not changing it. Yeah, but it wasn't even that many moons. I don't remember exactly. It was like four or eight or something. And then his wife and him went on like fine dining and like they splurged because they had followed the rules. So again, you know, eat your beans for a little while, but... You know, then you can have whatever you want. Beans now, steak later. <laughs> I couldn't remember. I knew you guys said something like that. I think that I want to buy a bunch of copies of this book and just hand it to people. <laughs> Be like the new Mormon. Is that who goes door to door? There's like three people. <laughs> no, there's like four people that I want to give this book to right now. I was almost wondering if somebody actually uh, needed a copy and they wanted to reach out and send us an email that we would send them one. Hell yeah. yeah one way or the other. You guys better be careful. We're going to get like 100,000 people wanting a copy of this Perfect. <laughs> you know, I, just pay shipping I would consider it. that a win <laughs> if 100,000 people emailed us. <laughs> exactly. Yep, exactly. Yeah, how much does a book cost? Like five bucks? You no, can seriously. get it on Amazon. For $6.99. I think that's going to do it for this week, though. Oh, wait. What are we doing for a book next? We have to pick. Wait, aren't we going to do one more oh, episode? Oh, yeah. We're going to come back and do a quick little recap. Well, I'll take a couple minutes and go over each chapter and then come back with all our favorite parts. Some of our favorite quotes and stuff like that. How the book changed us. I don't even want to think about that. Jeez. <laughs> How the book touched us and how we touched each other because of the book. <laughs> I do it's remember so that episode. <laughs> how is the hardcover cheaper than the... Oh, no, it's not. Wait, this is School it. of Rock, really guys. <clears throat> All right, see everybody then. Peace out. All right, catch you next week. See you later, alligator. Thank you for joining us this week. We hope you've enjoyed our discussion and found it both informative and entertaining. Please stay connected with us and continue the conversation on our social media. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and TikTok. You can also catch us on most podcast platforms and catch up on previous episodes. If you have any suggestions or topics you'd like us to explore in the future, we'd love to hear from you, and you can reach out to us via email at 303 at gmail.com. Don't forget to leave us a review and share the podcast with your friends and family if you've enjoyed what you've heard. 
We will be back next week with more engaging topics and insightful conversations. Until then, take care, stay curious, and happy learning.